Hey, everybody. We're doing it again. <laughs> Welcome to the show. We're Here doing we it again. Yes, we are. And this is a different one. We, we always say we're doing something different, but this one is radically different from what we normally do. And I think the key thing is that we've had one episode, I believe, where we've had guests. And we had like three guests, which was a big episode yeah. for us. Yeah. But this episode, we've got 15 guests. Yeah. Max number of guests. Really we went for really, it. We really only know about 15 people. So That's they're all- Everyone we know. <laughs> so we have always said that we want to talk about the baseball strike of 1994, but we couldn't really figure out a way to talk about it that wasn't just us saying facts about the baseball strike of 1994. So Joe had this idea that he would write a fully scripted episode about the circumstances of the strike. And at this time of year, it was really nice to find a way to connect and bring a bunch of our friends together to, you know, record this episode. It's actually, it's been really fun getting to see everyone and chat with everyone. And we're so excited to share it. It's So this episode, while functioning as a radio drama comedy, uh, also was just a way for us to uh, get to touch base with a bunch of people we, <laughs> we don't get to talk to all the time. So it was really nice and want to thank everybody for coming to help out. And I, I hope you enjoy it. I, I hope this turns out. So here we go. It happened one year, and the Petri Wine Company of California bring you... A Baseball Humbug, a poltergeist fantasia about the Major League Baseball strike of 1994. A Baseball Humbug is based very loosely on Charles Dickens' immortal classic, A Christmas Carol, and based very, very loosely on Dickens' grim, sweeping melodrama, Bleak House. It is not based on Nicholas Nickleby whatsoever. The Petri family, the family that took time to bring you good wine, invites you to listen in to the New York City offices of Acting Commissioner Bud Selig on the dark and stormy night of August 11th, 1994. Oh, one more thing. A. Bartlett Giamatti was dead to begin with. This point must be clearly understood, or nothing will make sense from this point forward. Got it? A. Bartlett Giamatti was dead. As dead as the Orioles' pennant chances come each September. Suck it, Baltimore! No, listen. The union said that the players won't accept cutting salaries at all. Not even a little. Fair said that? Donald Fair himself, yes. Oh yeah? When? Fifteen minutes ago. Guys, I've been on the phone with him all day. As president of the American League, I can tell you we are not happy about how this situation is shaping up. Yes, I know. Hang on. The National League is just as unhappy as the American League about the path these events are taking, if not more so. I'm sure that's true. I'll have you know, sir, that the American League is just as capable of being upset as the National League, if not more so as well. As president of the National League, I do not see how it is possible you could be more disturbed by the possibility of a prolonged strike and lost games than we are. Well, you best see it and believe it because it is so. The American League is presumptuous. The National League is fatuous. The American League is being ridiculous. Come on, guys, this isn't getting us anywhere. Maybe it isn't getting the National League anywhere, but the American League's feelings will be known. 
The National League will not be ignored, my good man. Come on, Lenny. Leonard. Gene. It's Gene. Mr. Coleman, Mr. Budig, we're working around the clock to resolve this, I assure you. Around the clock. The strike is set to begin tomorrow. The mustard is practically out of the bottle. There won't be a strike, I promise. Tomorrow, Seelig. There won't be much of a strike. Harumph. Harumph. Guys, I've got Steinbrenner on the other line, and it sounds like he's on a payphone for some reason. I've got to go. I will call you back in ten minutes. I'll call you back in five. I'm not getting off the line at all. I'm waiting right here. I'm just as capable of waiting as you are. I can hold my breath a long, long time, shorty. Hold, please. There's something else. If that little bastard thinks we're just going to cave in and give these players every little thing they want, he's got another thing coming. Who does he think he is? Yes, George. Donald Fair. We have no fear of Donald Fair. No, we do not. That son of a bitch, Hershizer. Can you believe the balls on that guy? If I was Pete O'Malley, I'd cut that rabble-rousing ingrate today, right now. Strike or no strike. Telling us we're going to can you and give up the store. No siree. This ain't 1990, Chester. George, I'm really busy. I've got to call Harrington back still. Boston. Yes, I know. Look, I'm not just some chump from Cleveland throwing away good money for years and years without result. I'm definitely not watching my organization go up over the players and their feelings. I don't know about you. I don't have anything to do with the Brewers day to day anymore. You know that. Bullshit. Look, George, I have to go. We need that salary cap, bud. The TV money is bupkis. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Who knows? Maybe they'll come to their senses and call off the strike. It could happen. Don't take any guff from those swine. Yes, George. Goodbye. Suzanne? Yes, Mr. Selig? No more calls tonight, please. I'm totally worn out. Absolutely, Mr. Selig. So, can we wrap up for the day, then? Sorry, Suzanne. I've got a bunch of things to take care of before the morning. It might be a while, but you can go on home. Oh, I've got another call coming in. Uh, no, I said I didn't- Chicken pot pie on line one. What? Why don't we go home and have dinner, Mr. Selig? Honey- Don't honey me. I'm pretty burned out on all this baseball nonsense. Can't we just have a normal night where we have dinner, watch Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, and go to bed? This really isn't a great time. It's never a great time! Honey- Bertles and James, line two! Look, I promise, things will calm down once we're through this stretch. And maybe I can hire a real secretary so this won't occupy all your time. I don't even understand why we need to cut corners like this. Once you own a major league ball club for a while, you look for bargains wherever you can get them. Fine. I'll stick around and keep compiling the messages. We're still lighting up pretty steady out here. I can imagine. And Suzanne, can you stop calling me Mr. Seelig? Okay, Alan. Ugh. I don't want to see anyone either, Suzanne. Suzanne? Honey? I'm available tomorrow. Silly. Who's there? Silly. Go away. I'm not seeing anyone. Ah! Jesus Christ. But Seelig, 
are you? Ask me who I was. Who were you then? In life, I was the commissioner of baseball, A. Bartlett Giamatti. Angelo? It can't be, but you're- Buried up in New Haven, yes. I appreciated the wreath, by the way. Oh, that was from FaZe people, I didn't- Wait, what are you doing here? What do you want with me? Much. Really, Angelo, th uh, this isn't a great time. There's just, there's a lot going on at the moment. I know. These sons of bitches are walking off the job tomorrow. I know. And that goddamn Faye Vincent won't return any of my calls. Can you blame him? This isn't my fault. Sit down, bud. You sit down. All right. Now, did I ever tell you about the strike when I was president at Yale? We only met a few times, Angelo. Clearly, or you'd call me Bart. In 1984, the clerical and technical workers at the university hit the picket line. I'll admit, the positions were grossly underpaid. Hospital aides, secretaries, and the like. 82% women. It was a bad look. But classes were already underway, right? The school didn't shut down because some secretaries started marching. No, that's true, but that wasn't the point. They wanted more money, and they deserved it. And we caved. But my reputation never really got over that. Really? The 1984 clerical and technical workers of Yale strike? That haunted you forever? It wasn't the headline of my obituary, but it was in paragraph five, yes. I don't think this is quite the same thing, Angelo. Tonight you will be visited by three spirits. Do you hear what I've been saying? I've been in meetings all day long. Donald Fair is killing me in the press. I don't have time to frolic with imaginary friends. How about two spirits? Unless you bring Kennesaw Landis through that door and help get these players in line, I don't know what purpose a pack of ghosts can serve at this point. I'm not just going to roll over like you did for that pack of Yaley clerks. You just don't understand the long-term ramifications. Your reputation, your legacy. It's an owner's league and the owner's money. And you're an owner, too. A former owner. Uh-huh, but learn from my experience. Let my wisdom assist you in this crisis. You were commissioner for ten months. How about one spirit? Get the hell out of here! Do you know what I'm dealing with? Free agency, the salary cap, half the teams are going broke, and now I'm hallucinating old dead colleagues. It's an awful lot of humbug. Oh, do you believe in me or not? I guess so. What choice do I have? You can meet with these spirits and hopefully avert a baseball cataclysm unlike the sport has ever seen. Gee, I'm glad the stakes aren't too high or anything. You will be haunted by three spirits. What happened to one spirit? One spirit isn't on the table anymore? Heed their warnings. Believe the prognostications, or you will go down in the annals of baseball infamy for eternity. <laughs> annals. But Sorry. This is not a joke. Well, I'll take it more seriously when you stop using words like annals. Expect the first, when your novelty clock next chimes charge! What? Oops, gotta go. Look to see me no more. But for the sake of the game, remember what has passed between us! Awesome. Now what? I am the ghost of baseball's past. The, the long past? 
Oh my, yes. My name is Elihu Finney, and I was a newspaper man in Otsego County, New York some, oh, 190-odd years ago. You were a journalist? My business was the printing press, publisher and penetrator of wildernesses and thoughts. Well, there's got to be a better way to say it than that. On my farm, some years after my demise, in the tiny hamlet of Cooperstown, one Abner Doubleday would hoe out a makeshift diamond and commence with the ball and stickery. Would you like to see it? What, now? No time like the past. <laughs> I guess. Excelsior! Here's my farm, in my son Elihu Jr.'s age, 1839. Four acres of red oak, 20 head of cattle, the main house, sugar maple in the yard. Through those trees you can make out Blackbird Bay in Otsego Lake, where we used to catch bass morning to night. Doubleday created the entire sport right here? He no more formulated the game of baseball than I concocted Times New Roman, but yes, Right here is where he used to bivouac the lads and take wax at their version of rounders. Okay, well, learn something new every day. Whose pants are these? Oh, there's Doubleday now, that slender mustache over yonder. Come on now, fellows. Really give it the old gusto. Jerndice, you're playing second Doubleday. Get out there. You've got it, Abner. Throw it in there with the vim and vigor. And you, Skimble, really lean in and knock the horsehide for a loop. Do my best, Abner. I can't hit that knuckleball worth a brass farthing. Just do your best, gents. We're going to make Double Day Ball world renowned. Double Day Ball? He insists this would have been a better name. Swing your Double Day and hit the ball. Run around the Double Days and touch them all. Oh, oh, Double Day Ball. Double, Double, Double Day, Double Day Ball. That Double Day is some kind of something. Did he always talk like this? He did not. Knock it off, Abner. It's not too late. Honor me. I was the hero of Fort Sumter. You're already getting credit for something you absolutely didn't do. Be content with that. You, Jim Dandy there. Baseball is so dull and obvious, so pedantic. Pitch Doubleday ball around. Watch the eyes light up. That's enough now, Abner. One of our more decorated Civil War generals, that. That guy? Gettysburg was my Waterloo. Erroneous. That doesn't even make sense. Hogwarts. On to the history lesson, chum. In 1869, the Cincinnati Red Stockings were established and quickly dissolved, with the owners moving to Boston, where they founded the Red Stockings the following year, alongside the Chicago White Stockings as the earliest professional ball clubs. I'm sorry, I don't see what the Red Sox and the White Sox have to do with anything. Baseball past is the only way we can learn about baseball present, you fresh hobbledy-hoy. I tripped over that stump. And incidentally, those teams became the Boston Braves and the Chicago Cubs. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm sorry, Elihu. Elihu. Mr. Finney, I appreciate you coming all the way here from wherever, but I've had a very long day. Work stoppages, yes. Players' unions. Yes. Not a lot of unions in my day. That way communism lies, we'd always say. There were a few in more dangerous professions than baseball, the Brotherhood of Locomotive Engineers and Trainmen, or the Order of the Knights of St. Crispin. The latter went on strike in 1872 and were defeated so badly by management that the organization folded. Now, have you considered that strategy? 
What, driving the Union out of existence? They wouldn't see it coming! My shoe! There's no way that would work. We have laws, you know. Hmm, best forget it. Baseball of the future must be a diabolically perilous game. The players need so powerful a union that they can hold the president's feet to the fire as such. Acting commissioner. Who's it and the what now? I'm still acting commissioner after we force Vincent out. Oh, yes. Faye Vincent. Champion of the players. Averter of the lockout. Rotten bastard. Forcing Vincent out because he negotiated with the union in 1990 to avoid missing games. Pretty vengeful maneuver, I'd say. He sure wasn't on the side of ownership, I'll tell you that. But you are. And look at this mess. Seems like you're the architect of your own conundrum. The author of your own misery. Okay. The generator of your own enigma. Will you get that cow off the field? Ain't my cow. Yeah, I don't know that cow. Okay, okay. Elihu Van Winkle, time to run along. Elihu, if you please. Charmed as ever to see you, Margaret. Best of luck, whippersnapper! Hello, f Oh my god. Cincinnati Reds owner Marge shot. In a bit of a storm, aren't ya? I can't believe this. Giamatti sends me Old McDonald and a goddamn Nazi. Open your ears and listen, you dirty bastard. We've got to go over the state of the game today, right in the here and now, and get a lay of the land before you f it up any worse. You tell him, Margaret. Don't let Doubleday Ball die on the vine. Shut your stupid mustache, Hayseed. Wait, Marge, you're a current owner. You have as much to lose as anybody. What the hell are you doing? Oh, I'm giving you the omnipresent perspective here. Not the Marge motherfucking shot of 1994 opinion. Think of this as a ghastly howl from the grave, disconnected from the present-day reality of my person. You're not even dead. How is this possible? I die in 04, just before the Red Sox championship season begins. Uh, yeah, okay. Now I know this is bull. Don't talk about the future. Sorry, Bart. Guinea f***. Oh, Selig. Do you even understand why this is happening? Of course I do. Oh, in your words, then. Players don't care about the owners. Tommy Rod. Seriously? We... The owners pay them huge sums of money to play a game, and these jerks don't care where that money comes from. Oh, boo fing ho You're an owner. 1994, March shot is. I'm moldering in the goddamn grave, bud. I'm a worm buffet. $12 a plate. They're all wiggling up inside my cranium. Then I hope they choke. Baseball is in a financial death spiral, and this is the only way out of it. Hard salary cap, cut some corners, curve some cost. Holy shit. What? All this because no one wants to watch baseball on TV anymore. No. If they ever did. That's not it at all. CBS lost their ass over that TV deal from 1988 and started cutting games off its schedule. And when it was time to re-up, you know what happened? Yes. They got the fuck out of Dodge, Charlie! They packed up their batting practice nets and their athletic supporters and beat feet. Meanwhile, players still want all the money and no strings attached, and we can't give that to them without going bankrupt. Oh, come on. It's true. Oh, shit. Baseball is the second biggest moneymaker in sports. Attendance alone. We play twice as many games as anybody. The owners don't want it. You don't want it. Well, yeah, me neither. Right. And look at the f***ing state of things. 
It'll be all right. They'll come around and see it our way. Wow. What, do you think we're going to lose the season over this? Be honest now. I always had a theory as to why you let this whole labor situation get so f***ing out of hand. Are you just doing this because the brewers are in last place? That's insane. Insane is as insane does, f***wad. Why don't we head off to the ballpark, see how this power struggle plays out at game level. We'll be back for the second act of a baseball humbug in just a moment. But first, good wine makes good food taste better. Prove that to yourself tonight by having your dinner with a good bottle of Petri wine. If you prefer a red wine with any meat dish, try a California Burgundy. That rich, hearty Petri Burgundy is really out of this world. Now, if you'd rather have a subtle, intriguing white wine to go with chicken or fish, then try Petri California Sauterne. Whether Burgundy or Sauterne, to make sure it's good, Make sure it's Petri, won't you? And now we rejoin Acting Commissioner Bud Selig and the ghost of Cincinnati Reds owner Marge Schott in their spectral first baseline seats. Nice cold beer here. Bud Light, Bud Ice. Beer me, Jeeves. And that was a complete load of hooey. I never called Dave Parker a million dollar n- I wouldn't have said that. I might have called him a million dollar face smack, but come on, it doesn't even sound like me. Jesus Christ, Marge. Sure, now you've got the Lord's name in your mouth. You put wad. Welcome to Three River Stadium for tonight's matchup between the Montreal Expos and your Pittsburgh Pirates. Well, this has to be hell. Ghosts have kidnapped me and taken me to Pittsburgh. It sure ain't heaven, I can tell you that. What's heaven like? The f*** if I know. It's all run by the ch**s anyway. Oh my god, Marge. You are a piece of work. Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo. Okay, what are we doing in Pittsburgh? Just wanted you to get a good, up-close look at them expos. I've seen them. Larry Walker. Ken Hill, Marquise Grissom, Moises Alou, John Wetland. I'm the commissioner. I've seen them. Acting commissioner. I've seen them play. Look at that young kid there, Pedro Martinez. Okay. They're in first place. Best record in baseball right now. They lose today and end up 74 and 40. That's still a damn good record. Yes, it is. Do you want to check in with the out-of-town scoreboard? What? Tim, what else is going on in the league? Thanks, Marge. What the fuck? As you mentioned, the Montreal Expos are off to their best start in team history and have a fine shot at making their first World Series. The New York Yankees have the second best record in the league, followed by the Atlanta Braves and the division-leading Chicago White Sox and Cincinnati Reds. Yeah! In your face, Sea League! Looks like an upper decker to me. San Diego Padre Tony Gwynn is the first player in a generation with a legitimate shot at hitting 400 this season, sitting at 394 with 52 games left to play. San Francisco Giant Matt Williams and Seattle Mariner Ken Griffey Jr. are in hot pursuit of Roger Maris's 33-year-old home run record, having hit 43 and 40 so far this season. 
Hell of a year underway, buddy boy. Hell of a season. It sure is. I've got two words for you. Write this guy out. And after this, you know where the popularity of baseball goes? America's pastime, Marge. Even now, football is the big dog shit for brains. But soon, third. I don't buy it. By some estimates, fourth. Don't talk about the future. Eat my whole ass, Who was that? That was Kennesaw himself right there. The High Holy First Commissioner Baseball. Judge and jury mother Kennesaw Mountain Landis? What's he like? He's a complete Makes a damn fine Jin Ricky, though. Whoa, 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 what's this? Thank you for coming to Three Rivers Stadium. The final score, the Pittsburgh Pirates 4 and the Montreal Expo 0. Join us again in two weeks when the Pirates return from their road trip on Tuesday, August 23rd to take on the Los Angeles Dodgers, God willing. Well, time's almost up for me, bucko. Gird your loins. It's Grand Inquisitor time. The voice of tomorrow, the kid from the 21st century. I thought we settled on two ghosts. Who the fuck said you had any say in this? You big crybaby. You don't have to like it. Just accept it. Well, it's been good to see you again, Marge. Blow it out your ass, bud. Oh, and Merry Christmas. Uh, it's August. Uh, I just thought it fit with what we're doing here. Merry Christmas. And you'll notice they say Merry Christmas and not Happy Holidays. Gross snowflake f***s. What, what are you talking about? Hey there, stop talking all that future jazz. That's my bag. There you are, preacher. Have fun with this one. Adios, nut. So, you're the ghost from the future or whatever? Darn tootin' and straight shootin'. The bleacher preacher, at your service. Aren't you from Wrigley? This doesn't look like Wrigley. That it ain't, boss man. I'm normally prowling the north side, yeah, out in the cheap seats, trying to convert the godless fans of the opposing teams over to the right side. Oh, oh, here we go. Listen. Welcome to Guaranteed Rate Field for today's big crosstown matchup between the Chicago Cubs and the Chicago White Sox. Wait, wait, hold on. Yes? Is this the World Series? Today is September 27th. Why are the Cubs and the White Sox playing each other? Interleague play happens all the time now. Oh, that sounds like a fun change. Some people hate it. But where are the fans? Isn't the game about to start? Nobody's here. It's September 27th, 2020. Okay. Listen, I'm here to tell you all about the future of the great game of baseball, Haas. Not to reveal the future of everything. You'll have to live with the suspense on that one. Okay, and what the hell is Guaranteed Rate Field? <laughs> that I can't tell you. They tear down Comiskey and replace it with this, which eventually gets named after a mortgage company. That doesn't seem too fun. Most people hate it. But they also don't go to live games anymore in 2020? No, no, they... Nah, you almost got me there. Nope, not telling. But I can give you the full sermon on the lost season, the great and glorious strike of 1994, praise his name. Do you want the sweep dote about how that carnival plays out? Uh, I, I'm not, I'm not so sure I do. I, I think I might have an aneurysm. 
still thinking this is magic mushroom land, huh? Do you want me to conjure up zombie Babe Ruth to dazzle you with tales of his favorite St. Louis brothels? That's not really necessary. Legends never die, kid. Uh, No, 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 I can live without this. I had so much syphilis, I nearly wiped out Detroit entirely. Ugh, no! Suit yourself. The Sultan of Swat, ladies and gents. Now pull up a chair and let me elucidate. Listen up and be saved. Uh, Yes, uh, go on with it, please. Well, my child, baseball attendance immediately drops 20% when the game finally resumes. Oh, um, more room to stretch out, maybe? Everyone hates it. Owners, fans, players, everybody. That's a big across-the-board agreement. Ugh. The game's general popularity never exactly recovers. Yes, Marge told me this already. (laughs) Ain't she a riot? A racist, homophobic, anti-Semitic, demented monster, but a lot of fun around a piano after cocktail hour. Widely shunned in the great beyond, and for good reason. What's it like there? Creatures still walking the big blue ball will be for some time if my predictions are to be believed, and they are. So, wait, how do you- Preacher is not an ordinary yokel string bean. Tell him about the Expos. Sorry, Judge, just getting to it. Mr. Landis, it's an honor to meet you. I do not feel likewise, sir. Don't worry about him, salty as the tears of Indians fans in 2016. You remember the season Montreal was putting together in 94? They were playing well, yes. You ghosts are really hung up on the Expos. They won 20 of their last 23 games. They were on course for 106 wins, praise his name. Sure, they they had a chance. That might have been the year for them. Pretty crucial time for the franchise, but then comes the strike. Without revenue sharing through a salary cap, the Expos had to sell off their best players to avoid bankruptcy. Wetland won a World Series with the Yankees. Pedro won with Boston. Grissom with the Braves. Moisey's a loo with the Marlins. I get it. They had a lot of talent. Teams go through these things. Look how low their payroll is. It's amazing they were ever good. But they quickly plunge into the last place in 1995. Cellar dwelling. Looking up to everyone. And now we come to grief, my son. Things would only get worse in Quebec in the following years. You personally end up accused of colluding with the team's ownership to force them out of Canada. That's preposterous. They averaged less than 8,000 fans a game in 2001, and this was when the team had no English-language radio broadcast in Canada. Sacre bleu! Come on, this is insane. Who the hell owned this team? How did this happen? Well, in a way, you kind of own the team. The commissioner can't own any teams. I know that better than anyone. Well, that was before the game encountered one of the worst team owners in sports history. Ladies and gentlemen, ghosts and ghouls, I present Mr. Jeffrey Loria. Say, why the long faces, my Canuck chums? Team got you down? Feeling a touch cordon blue? Well, I'm here to solve all your problems. Yes, sir. I'll take those Expos under my wing, and in no time, we'll have a genuine, bona fide humdinger of a cracking baseball squad. Just watch. How's about it, Montreal? This is outrageous. The fans will be calling it more than that, Mona me. 
they'll be saying it's stupendous, it's miraculous, it's fantastic, super colossal. Now sign on that dotted line, and I'll be taking this team all the way to the tip, tip, top. The team is yours. I cannot believe this thing is happening. <laughs> believe it, Quebecois. Now that I'm sitting at 93% of the decision-making, what say we get a new stadium on the public dime? Impossible! No? Well, that's your prerogative. But you know where there's a really swell locale to kick one's feet up come summertime? The sandy beaches of Dade County, Florida. The owner of the Marlins, now that guy has the world on a string, don't he? You a bargaining man, John Henry? Yeah, we just won a World Series here, Jeff. Uh, I'm more than happy with my current situation. But then you dumped the players wholesale, and now you're languishing in last. We finished ahead of you fellas up in Montreal last year. Come on, do we even count? Well, I, I suppose I could be amenable to certain offers. Well, I tell you, friend, you're owning the wrong team. I am? Absolutely. A man like you. Powerful. Successful. You should be in a Cadillac of a franchise, not a Volkswagen Rabbit. Gee, this is kind of a Volkswagen Rabbit. Does it hop and have a fluffy tail and is not competitive in the NL East? Well, that puts us in a right proper nutshell. So how would you like to own one of the most story franchises in all of baseball, in all of sports, instead of this fish business that dates back to five minutes before never? Why, that sounds ideal for a guy like me. Doesn't it just? I got the commissioner's office online, too, and they're prepared to cross the streams and grease the wheels and set the gravy train in motion. You get the socks. I get the Marlins. The league gets the Expos. Win, win, win. Fax me a go-ahead and let's swap out the logo on your letterhead. I love that dirty water. Enjoy those Boston winners, John. Bienvenido a Miami, Jeff. The moving vans are on the way, kids, and I'm bringing every last one of you along. You don't think I'd leave my beloved staff to fend for yourselves in the snowy north, do you? The league will restaff the Expos. They're running the club now. It's not even half a problem. Pack up all the computers and printers and those adding calculators. The middle of the night is prime time to skedaddle. Jeffrey Loria, everybody. Things worked out just fine for that carpetbagger. But do you know what happened to the poor Expos? The meek, mild kid brother of the Blue Jays? I, I, I don't. Just... You hustled them out of town. After punting a quarter of their home games 1,900 miles south to Puerto Rico for a few seasons, you announced they'd be heading to Washington, D.C., turning their back on Canada forever. Okay, how is this possibly my fault? You can accuse me all you want of collusion and suspicion. You also get sued for racketeering by the Expo's minority partners. But the club's financial mismanagement and generally disastrous end can't get laid on me. It just can't. But what if they had won the series in 94? Well, what if they had? So what? For comparison, over the decades, there's been talk of getting the Marlins out of that geriatric nightmare that is Miami. But you see, they've got rings to consider. Rings? Plural? 97 and 2003. And that means something. Lots of teams move cities. That doesn't mean anything. Okay, let's go back to the history lesson. Ellie who, Finney? Forgive me, father, for I was napping. Not a priest, dear soul, but I appreciate the confusion. What was the last team to win a World Series and then abandon their home city? Hmm. Now let me think. They didn't have a World Series until 1904, so the Fort Wayne Kekiongas don't count. 
or the Louisville Eclipse, or the St. Louis Maroons? Sorry to interrupt, old socks, but my time does grow short. The answer is the Milwaukee Braves, 1957. 1957. Irrelevant. Your face is irrelevant. Well put, my child. 1957, bud, just saying. Now tell him about 1998. Thanks, Judge. So, fella, 1998, the game bounces back in a big way. Big way. That fun summer gets credit for putting baseball back on solid cleats. Well, that sounds good. And that didn't take very long at all, huh? Just a couple of years. How did that come about? The single-season home run record chase. Oh, lordy, is it something. Up there at Wrigley, we've got Sammy Sosa. Number 21, the right fielder, slamming Sammy Sosa. And the rotten Cardinals in St. Lou have Mark McGuire. Number 25, the big first baseman, Big Mac, Mark McGuire. The Cubs and the Cardinals? That's exciting. Everybody loves it. Nice. Until they don't. Ugh. Because then all sorts of home run records start to fall. Sosa and McGuire both break the single season mark five times between them in the next four years. Oh no. And then along comes Barry Bonds. Number 25, the left fielder for the San Francisco Giants, Barry Bonds. The asterisk, my good man. The asterisk, Barry Bonds. Bonds had never hit more than 49 dingers in a year before, but in 2001, at the age of 36, he set the mark, cranking 73 homers in 153 games. Good God. I think you can probably see where this is headed. Corked bats? Guess again. Aluminum bats? Colder. Uh, baseballs replaced with tennis balls? Steroids, bud! Everybody was taking steroids! We, we would never have let it get to that point. But you do! It gets so far beyond that point, too. Bond sticks around long enough to set the all-time home run record, passing Hank Aaron in 2007. Oh, God. After everyone has already been called to testify in front of Congress numerous times, including you. That's awful. Everyone really hates it. Oh, man. And so, in addition to the strike and allowing the all-star game in Milwaukee to end in a tie, oh. your time in the big chair is not viewed too favorably. Shut this all takes place on your watch. What, and everyone blames me? It happens on your watch. You stupid f nut. The streak isn't my fault. Donald Fair couldn't get his players to see the situation. You It all comes back to you in the big seat, bud. Angelo, you know, the commissioner doesn't have the sort of power now that he used to. I couldn't just swing the tide of it any way I wanted. Shame. Lock her up. Lock her up. You make me regret having invented the game, as I did, all by myself. I'm afraid your being pilloried is not unwarranted. So what, that's it? Everyone all scampers off and gets to live their lives and leaves me the blame? You suck, ceiling. You're a pariah, sir. A disgrace. Your name is synonymous with abject failure and disaster. I never met a hot dog or a dame I didn't like. Answer these. So, what happens then? I get thrown out of baseball? Am I a laughingstock in sports forever? 
tell him, preacher. You're driven from the game and live the rest of your life in scorn and misery. Preacher? You are pelted with rocks from morning to night everywhere you go. Come on, preacher. You remain commissioner for decades after the strike. What? You tell everyone you're going to retire a few times starting in 2006, then 2009, 2012, but don't finally leave until 2014. Wow. You get inducted to the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2016. You're kidding. Something that none of the players from the steroid era, as it's now called, will do. So if my run as commissioner is such a disaster, then how is any of that possible? Would not have happened in my day. We would have run you out of town on a rail. Modern baseball lacks quite a measure of backbone. And balls. So do you get a sense of what's to come now? This glorious sport we dedicated our lives to has its credibility blasted apart in a handful of years. What do you have to say for yourself? Well, I guess... All's well that ends well, huh? Sure, that's one way of looking at it. Hey, baseball endures. No matter what happens in 1994 or 1998 or 2020. Still not telling. So, Preacher Angelo, Elihu... Elihum, if you please. Marge. Build that wall. Build that wall. Abner. Babe. The great Bambino in the streets, the Colossus of Cloud in the sheets. Sincerely, suck my dick. Sir. Great heavens. Tony Lazari's jockstrap. You overpaid me. Well, get f***ed all. I'm going to go home and have sex with my wife. You can see yourselves out. I knew we should have brought Ty Cobb. Good game, fellas. Can't say we didn't try. Hey, who wants to grab a steak? Maybe get some p- where we go one, we go all. Knock that off, Marge. We're not going to any rallies. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. Mr. Seelig? Mr. Seelig? Are you still in there? Wait, Suzanne? Is that you? Sir? What day is it? It's August 12th. 1994? Are you feeling all right? I've never been better, Suzanne. Mr. Coleman and Mr. Budig are still holding. Okay, okay, put them on. The designated hitter is the greatest travesty the world has ever known. Pitchers batting is a continued blight on society. The green monster is stupid. The Philly fanatic is stupid. Nope, nope, no more of that. Now can we go home, Alan? Are Bartles and James still holding on line two? I'm well beyond that at this point on a conference call with Don Julio and Captain Morgan. I'll be right out. Alan Bud Selig, the man who kept the train on the tracks. A great owner, a greater commissioner, a great baseball man. Hall of Famer, Bud Selig. And so, as my fellow owners would observe, God bless us, everyone. Shame. Acting Commissioner Bud Selig learned that the greatest gift of all was power and glory. But a great gift for this or any holiday season is a fine bottle of wine, especially when it comes from people who know how to make it. 
and the Petri family has been making fine wine for generations, handing down the secrets from father to son, to father to son, every secret, every skill of the winemaker's art. Yes, the Petri family took time to bring you good wine. That's why no matter what type of wine you wish, you can't go wrong with a Petri wine. The Petri family took the time to bring you such good wine. So when you eat and when you cook, remember Petri wine. To make good food taste better, remember... Pet, pet, Petri wine. A Baseball Humbug was written and directed by Joe Setta. Bud Selig was played by Sarah. Elihu Finney was played by Joe. The Bleacher Preacher was played by Kristen Mann. A. Bartlett Giamatti was played by Dame Bauer of Flash Milk Productions. Marge Schott, Jeffrey Loria, Babe Ruth, and Leonard Coleman were played by David Munchen. Kennesaw Mountain Landis was played by John Diner. David and John are hosts of the film podcast Reconciliation. George Steinbrenner was played by The Batman. Abner Doubleday was played by Dave Garden. Gene Budig and background voices were played by Aaron Stevenson. John Henry was played by Bill Randall. Suzanne Selig, Skimpole, and background voices were played by Sam McChurry. Jarn Dice and background voices were played by Sean McCann. The Montreal Mayor and background voices were played by Michael Bonencontro. Other fans, vendors, and baseball players were voiced by Angie Bonencontro, Elle Wilson, Kate, and Josh. Good night from Illinois, California, New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Tennessee. It happened one year. We'll return next week with another thrilling tale of the days of yore, namely in 1994. Swing your double day and hit the ball. Run around the double days and touch them all. Oh, oh, double day ball. Double, double, double day, double day ball.